I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Continent, your definitive guide to the week in European football. I'm Dotson Adebayo. I'm Andy Russell. And I'm David Cartledge. On this edition, is the crisis at Ajax a stain that can't be removed? And where do the 2019 Champions League semi-finalists go from here? Also, after penalty gate, has Napoli shot itself in both feet of its world-class striker, Victor Osimhen? And Real Madrid's noisy neighbours just got noisier. Is this the first wobble of the Bellingham revolution in La Liga? Andy, please, please, please explain to us what is going on in the Eri Divisi between Ajax and Feyenoord. We saw them play one game over two legs, as it were, uh, one with a full house and the other with nobody at all. Yeah, one over four days, um, in, in fact. So you have... Um the game between Ajax and Feyenoord, one of the biggest in Dutch football, uh, the biggest club versus the champions on uh, Sunday. Starts quite poorly for for Ajax. Uh, they they go down uh, two they they go two nil down. Um, then it gets to three. Um, at two, something is thrown on the pitch. Um, a, an empty beer glass. I think it was a, yeah. I think it was a plastic cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. And um, there's there's a stoppage. There's a discussion, and there's a stoppage in the discussion because there is a strict protocol in the Eredivisie of um, what happens a zero tolerance approach to stuff getting thrown on the pitch, which they've had a problem with in the last couple of years. And so there's a warning. Um, then a firework ends up on the pitch. There's a uh, further long delay. The players go off. Um, the players come back for a third time. And then uh, after it's 3-0, a couple more 
um, fireworks are thrown on the pitch um, from one of one of the ends behind the goals, and um, the, the game ends. Um, this is at 55 minutes on Sunday. Now, I'm sure a lot of people have seen on social media um, some Ajax fans trying to um, get into the club offices, um, breaking stuff on the on the on the way out, um, fireworks and smoke bombs, all all, all that sort of stuff. Um, but really, that's just surface damage. What has happened here, because of the rules that we were talking about, there's, there's meant to be, um, if something's thrown on the pitch, there's a warning. And if something's thrown on the pitch again, then the game gets called off. Unless unless that, that glass, of, that beer cup, had, had hit one of the players or the, the match officials, in which case the game would have ended there and then. Um, so because that is the rule and it's worked quite well so far the idea is collective responsibility so if you see your neighbour throwing stuff you'll go don't do that they'll get dobbed into the authorities and taken off and that's how this sort of behaviour stops whereas in this case with Ajax fans unhappy for a load of other reasons that we're going to talk about they have basically or some Ajax fans have basically manipulated the situation so they thought we can get the game called off here if we throw stuff on the pitch because they know what the protocol is. And that is the problem. And that's why you have to ask, David, does this rule have any future? No, I don't think it does. I think it's, like I said, it can easily be manipulated. Um, I, don't, I don't really know how you end up stopping it. I mean, obviously there's security checks and what have you when you go in stadiums and such. I mean, that's when you'd hope you can't get something. But I mean, they sell beer in the stadium. So you're going to have plastic cups. Mm. You can't stop that. So I think there's always going to be issues with it. So yeah, it is it's really problematic. And there's been other instances of it since this came in as well, where it's shown that it just didn't really work. And people know the stewards and you know they turn a blind eye often to, yep. to bringing stuff in, even before the game. So if you're bringing in like, ultra groups, are bringing in big banners for, for um, uh, choreos or whatever before the game, you can bring fireworks in at yep. the same time. It's, it's, it's pretty easy. It happens in Greece where they stash stuff under seats and yep. all, all, that, all that sort of thing. But as you were saying, Dotton, the game actually finishes, having started on Sunday, um, the the KMVB, the Dutch FA, takes the decision to play the remaining 35 minutes plus stoppage time on Wednesday afternoon behind closed doors. So um, Ajax initially protested about this. I mean, the cheek of it, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. And then they've decided, they said, for the good of the game, we've decided <laughs> to drop our legal action um, or potential legal action. The game happens. Um, the coach of Ajax, Maurice Stein, says right okay we're gonna we're gonna be a bit more attacking we're gonna go for it five minutes in they concede another goal Santiago Jimenez completes his hat trick it's remarkable if you look on the social media posts on um uh, on, on Feyenoord's channel it'll have uh here we go uh, Feyenoord fans Santiago's hat trick and it'll have goal in front of loads of fans goal in front of loads of fans goal that looks as if it's from Covid time it's, it's remarkable uh, arguably, it'll make the Guinness Book of Records because uh, I don't know if you can think of any other hat trick that has taken four days to complete. No, nothing, nothing rings a bell. I know there was definitely a few um, in La Liga that obviously, because of games going on a little bit late, that sometimes somebody scored um, on the night and then it's actually gone midnight, so they've scored in the next day as <laughs> well. well. So there's been a few instances <laughs> yeah, of that because yeah. of La Liga's silly kickoff times. It's but, still uh, over two days. I can't recall a hat trick. It might be, it might be. Well, but there are some serious issues around this. Uh, you touched on it, and you're <clears> saying that the ultras are displeased about things, not just what was going on on the field at the time. Obviously, that upset them. They were 3-0 uh, down at the time. But 
what else is going on behind the scenes that we don't really know about? Well, what's going on um, on the field is just a product of what's happening at the club. And I think when Ajax go a couple of goals down in this game, you think Morris Stein is going to struggle to carry on in his job after this. I mean, if there's any winner, and I don't think there is any winner from what is an awful situation, um, the game getting abandoned maybe stopped him getting fired that night um, because there's there's too much other stuff going on at the club. Someone who did get fired that night was the sporting director, Sven Mislintet, who we know from uh, his work at Stuttgart, Borussia Dortmund, where he fell out quite badly with Thomas Tuchel, and Arsenal, where it ended quite abruptly as as, as well. It's a stream now, of poor transfers there. And then obviously there's yes. been a repeat here um, with Mislintet. And then obviously it's gone beyond that though. Hasn't it? Yeah, it has because um, he was asked to stay away from the game and stay away from Ajax for a, a couple of weeks um, from, from the Feyenoord game because of um, a potential conflict of interests um, of the transfer from Borna Sosa, who he knew from Stuttgart, to Ajax, who dropped a move to Sevilla to go to Ajax instead. And he moved to an agency which has shares in Sven Mislintat's company. So it, it looks like something that merited further investigation. And as, as David says, um, a lot of his transfer business is, is stuff that, that, that people are un, unhappy with. So they, they fired him on the night of the, the final game. Well, the, the night of the first 55 minutes of the final game is, is, is probably the best way to put it. So really, they've been looking for sporting direction. Ajax. This has been coming for a number of years because um, when they got to the Champions League semi-final, as you said before, they were guided by um, Mark Overmars, who's the sporting director, disgraced. So they had to get rid of him, of course. Um, and uh, Edwin van der Sar as, as, as well. Um, was 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 on the board. Um, Eric Ten Hag was there at the time as well. But you can survive coaches going if the sporting management stays in place. Mm. But that's the problem. I think they had the the dream mix then, didn't they? They, mm. they were riding the crest of a wave. I think you know if if you look at things, that I think the academy had produced a crop that was absolutely outstanding. Mm. Um, they had it all lined up behind the scenes very well. They had an excellent manager in Ten Hag. There was a, a bit of a dynasty um, there being created, I think. But obviously, um, you know, what happened with Overmars, everybody knows, obviously, he was suspended by the club, removed by the club. Um, obviously, Ten Hag went to Man United as well. Van der Sars had also had his personal issues as well, hasn't he? So I think if you look at everybody involved, they were at such a high point. And when that was removed, it was very hard to replicate or even get anywhere near that. Um, you look at the number of coaches who have come in since Ten Hag left as well. And then you get a guy like Misanthat as well, who's come in. I think he's overseen 24 deals. I think it's 13 signings um, he's made um, and 11 sales. Is this similar? The cost is remarkable as well. The cost is remarkable in some of the the deals as well. Um, The young goalkeeper from Frankfurt as well barely played any games in the Bundesliga, signed for 8.5 million. Um, He gets to the club. (laughs) He's not played by Stein. (laughs) Um, And as well, I mean, obviously that's a huge issue there where you mentioned with a conflict of interest but there was a report in the Telegraph as well that Missenthal had actually come down to the dress room um, in an angry tirade threatened to sack Stein in front of all the players which didn't go well and was also accused of when he was at the training ground of trying to turn players against Stein as well so it's quite 
just a remarkable uh, on every single level, really. Uh, Janet Kay would say silly games, but I wonder <laughs> whether it's uh, an issue that just Ajax have uh, fallen foul to, or whether this is symptomatic of a, a wider issue within the Eredivisie that we don't. What the conflict of interest thing? Well, or, no, or, no, or no. You're talking about the abandonment of the game. Well, not beyond that. Just the just the, the unraveling of a club, a once no. mighty club in Europe, well, like think, Ajax. I, I, I guess the thing is, Don, that it's happened so quickly. That that's the thing because you talked about the 2019 Champions League semi-final, where you know they could easily have have, have been in the final and maybe even gone on to win it. Who knows? Um, but from that point, you look at the money they make in that situation, which is a totally unscheduled extra, say, 80, 100 million for them, and then. You look at off the back of that, the players that wow Europe, the, the, the crop that David was talking about. You'd sell academy products for pure profit, like De Ligt, like Frankie de Jong. There's a, there's a whole list of them. Mm. And with that money, and they managed to keep together a lot of that team, actually, after the 2019, because they made such a profit from the run to the Champions League semi-final and from selling those players. With that amount of money, with the finances as they are in the area division, Eredivisie at the moment Ajax should be winning the title for every one of the next 10 I years agree. Absolutely. There, there shouldn't be anyone who is even close to touching them and PSV have done extraordinarily well to keep pace with them never mind Feyenoord they've done and, an amazing job under, under Arna Slot but I, th- I think that is really the frustration for those Ajax fans because it's mismanagement that they're in the position they are. I mean, they're, they're not even a title contender this season and they're back to where they were shocking. 20 years ago, which is bef- when they were in that massive drought of Champions mm. League qualification before Martin Yoll arrived, where they were spending extraordinary amounts on players from outside the club, which is really a cultural affront to Ajax and their fans because that's not what they do, is it? It's the worst start of the season since 64-65. And now think of Ajax the stature of that club. So that's like pre-Croy. That, that, yeah, exactly. Which is extraordinary. And Andy's mentioning the clubs and I think, you know, when you, I remember last season we discussed about PSV who had their own little bit of internal conflict. They've managed to regroup again. Um, and then Feyenoord who are just, I think, so, so far ahead of anyone in that league in terms of the structure that they ha- have got. They've got less money but their recruitment has been sensational. They've probably got a striker there who they're, they're going to get about 60, 70, 80 million for in Santi Jimenez who just looks outstanding. I'm sure we'll revisit Jimenez many times this season. Mm. Um, he is really looking very, very special at the moment. So they are going about things the right way and there will be just a few you know, glances from Ajax, I think, looking across um, at their biggest rivals, their most hated rivals. Wow, they're doing things that we used to do. But we, you, you talked about Feyenoord there and their recruitment. Obviously, they've got an academy that in international terms really flies under the radar mm-hmm. as well because it's, it's less glamorous than the Turkomst, which is Ajax's academy. But that they produce a lot of players. They've always produced a lot of players for the, the Dutch national team. Mm-hmm. That recruitment, as you say, and I think it's quite interesting when it looks as if Arne Slot is going to Tottenham this summer and he decides not to. And obviously they get Ange Postacoli. They're very happy with that. Mm-hmm. Great. But is the reason that slot doesn't go is because he looks at what's happening with the Van Nistelrooy departure yeah. from PSV. That's, I, think that's, I recall us saying it as well. I, re- I recall just discussing this yeah. last season and I thought that was a big part of it. Um, that He probably looked at it and thought, right, 
Ajax this is have, my season. Yeah, Ajax, Ajax have been so, so dominant. We can do a bit of catching up here. We can get some titles in. We can have four, five, six years, potentially, just get a little bit of a dynasty together, dominate yeah. in, in the Dutch league. Very unlike Tottenham, obviously. Um, <sighs> Had to get there and there. Well, <laughs> I'm a neutral. I'm a neutral. You're not but, neutral. Yeah, I'm neutral. <laughs> one question that we have to ask is, how on earth does Ajax get itself out of this? What happens next? Because it feels like that they have to rip up the form book and everything else and start all over again. Yeah, and the interesting thing with Ajax, and I suppose it's the thing about Dutch football in generally, in general, um, there's always philosophical discussion, always philosophical discussion on um, the way the game should be played, um, the direction a club should take. And when there were these delays in Ajax versus Feyenoord, of course, all the cameras pan around to the stand. Louis van Hal's there. Klaas-Jan Huntelaar's there in his club blazer looking all miserable and all the rest of it. And then on telly, you've got uh, Raphael van der Vaart who spoke about Mislintat's transfer business in maybe the sort of terms that wouldn't get through legal in the UK here. Oh, he's, he's a grip on it, I keep saying, can we get him, please, on a World Cup or a Euros on British TV? It would be sensational. It, it, would, it, would, it would be fantastic for the two shows that he's allowed to do. <laughs> but I think everyone's got a, a dog in the fight here. And Van, Van der Vaart certain, certainly does when it comes to, to Ajax. Now, the feeling is that Louis van Gaal is, is, is perhaps not quite well enough to do a, a regular job. But if he had some sort of consultancy input into where Ajax went next, that would not surprise me. And I think that sense of going back to the basics, and obviously, if he comes in and gives sort of consultancy and advice, there will be another former player or manager who comes in with completely opposite advice and they'll have a massive row about it and there'll be a huge fallout. Basically, this ain't going to finish quickly, I would say. Louis van Gaal says, um, nah, I'm not, I'm not interested in doing club football anymore. No, he says he's not interested in being a coach. Yeah. Uh, there's, and I think, uh, there's, there's a difference. I think there could be a place for him. And I actually think it's a much better place than being the coach. I think they need some figureheads. I think a lot of the big clubs like to have their old players around. Bayern's always done it, haven't they? Yeah, Bayern's, Bayern's, thing, Bayern's yeah. a great example. They like their old figureheads around. And I think Ajax could do with that. Mm. Yeah, Ludwig van um, Wittgenstein. I was just thinking of Ludwig Wittgenstein in terms of uh, linguistics. You have to <laughs> check the philosophy to interpret what it means. So he doesn't want to be a coach again. Thank you for that. Now, there has been something of a... Well, how, how can we describe it? I described it as penalty gate in introducing today's programme, but it's far, far, far more sinister than just... Uh, an issue about a penalty missed. I'm talking about uh, Serie A and Serie A champions Napoli uh, seemingly taking the mickey, actually taking the piss, let's be fair, uh, uh, um, with regards to their main striker. Uh, and also, you know, Victor Osimhen is a striker that stayed with them despite everybody thinking that he'd go elsewhere mm -hmm. over the summer transfer window. And now he seems to be at the centre of what feels like a Napoli race conversation, racism conversation. How did it get to that point? Well, it, it all starts when they, well, it all starts ostensibly 
when they go to Bologna last weekend. They don't win for the third league game in a row. Ozyman misses a penalty, gets hooked by Rudy Garcia, the already under-pressure coach. They have a massive row on the touchline. Now, Garcia tries to play it down in quite unconvincing terms um, and uh, says, well, you know, show me a player who's happy that he's taken off and I'll show you lose a kind of vibe. Um, and anyway, clearly not happy there. Um, and the, the team's not in a great place. Now, Ozymen, um then has a little video made on the Napoli TikTok about him missing that penalty, sort of taking the piss about it. And he's not that happy. He's rather less happy at, it turns out, about a previous one on TikTok that's kind of gone under the radar comparing him to a coconut, which is very differently viewed, obviously, here in the UK than it is in Italy. Now, I don't think people around Napoli, until it came to this extra scrutiny on the TikTok account, had even realised how much this had pissed him off. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's... it's... It's a strange one and you have to be careful about how you do view this and, and how you do speak about it because the song in the TikTok video that Napoli posted has been a trend previously, the song, um, and what it entails. So from one side, you can just look upon it as that, as, as that they're just making this, this video to go along with like one of the other TikTok trends that's going on. And then, of course... There's the other side of it, which Andy and yourself have touched on. It doesn't look good. It does not look very good at and all. That is the difference, isn't it? That the, the way that people this this would pretty much only happen in Italian football, really, or Spanish football. Actually, mm. comes to, comes to think of it, East it's, European football, I can think of. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think in terms of cultural insensitivity amongst the the, the, the big leagues, um, Spanish and Italian clubs are, are, are way out there. And I think that's the point. Until this was exposed to an international audience, it never occurred to them that, it, yeah. that, that they might have offended him. Yeah. And it maybe puts his reaction after he got taken off into a different context. The fact that, you know, there's this residual tension. And this residual tension isn't just the fact that he feels disrespected as a, as a black man, I don't think. Mm. I think it goes back a little bit further because... If you go to the bit just before the start of the season, Ozymen is priced too expensively for Aurelia, by Aurelia De Laurentiis, the president, to go anywhere, even to the think, Saudi Pro. I think Al Halal, I think he said, well, I think the bid was 200 million euros. And he said, oh, that, that would might, that, that'd buy one of his feet. Yes. So, so come back next summer with double and we might so come back with 500 million. We might think about it. And at this point, they're edging towards a contract extension. It's reported in many media outlets that it's all but done between Aussie men and the club. And then, after the first game of the season, in which he scores, of course, because that's what he does, um, he does a little interview um, immediately post-match, and he says, well, I'm an Apple player for the moment. The president's the boss. It's up to him whether I stay or go, so we'll see what happens. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, ah, oh, he, hasn't, he hasn't signed a new contract. And it's a similar situation. We talked about Kvisha Kavaratskelia a couple of weeks ago. And the fact that De Laurentiis is happy to ask for the earth for these guys, but not pay them commensurately 
with how he values them in the transfer market at the moment. Because he's like, well, they're, they're still on contract. Now, with Aussie men, he's on slightly shakier ground because he has less than two years left on his contract now. So if they don't get a contract extension with him, they will be in a vulnerable position going on next season. And, you know, we've, we've, we've seen it before, the, the fact that players have gone for, for free or less than they wanted them to because they've not really dealt with the situation. Now, this kind of unexpected title win has left them in a position. And they were in the same position with Spalletti. You know, they annoyed him enough. They, they didn't pay him. They didn't reward him for what he, what he did in terms of bringing the title back for the first year since Maradona. And he was like, well, right, okay. Well, I'm, if, if that's the way you feel about me, I'm off. So I don't think it's just Aussie men that feels disrespected there. But this TikTok has added, obviously, well, an extra layer to it. Who who was behind the actual TikTok video? Because that seems to be the source of the problem, both the most recent one and the previous one. Who Who's responsible for that? Um, it's coming from Napoli's official account. Accounts. Official, it. so, yeah. so it's the club to but all intents they've, they've, But they've had some weird videos in the past as well. I think there was one of um, Chucky Lozano. I think there was a hen laying, laying an egg. And when the egg dropped... Lozano's head was on the egg. There's just so many strange videos on there. So they've got previous for this. So that's why I'm saying when, when, when I was asked about it initially that you have to be very, very careful in terms, in terms of how you view it. It might literally just be a weird video, a weird thing with a lack of awareness of what people in, say, England m- might think. But do you not think in in the Premier League, if you were going to make a video about one of your star players, if not your star player, mm-hmm. that you would at least show them the video and ask for their approval. Are you happy with this? But that doesn't seem to have happened no, here. You see, the smartest, the, the smartest clubs do that. Mm-hmm. They run social media strategies and ideas past their, their, their players. And if they can get the players on board for stuff, that definitely helps. And you've seen that in, in, in France, actually, with the, the guy who's the... Um, communication director at Lens, who of course came very close to winning the title last season in the Champions League this season. Um, one of their players was um, racially abused and uh, Brees Samba, the goalkeeper who used to play for Nottingham Forest, who's now the captain, he had an idea. Why don't we go on the pitch with us all wearing each other's names on the back of our shirts? So we're, we're saying we're all together, we're all the same, etc. Why don't we build a campaign around that? And the guy who's the head of communication said, that's a, that's a great idea, but I've got a, a slightly different idea. Why don't we not tell people about it? And it'll be more impactful if we come on the pitch all wearing different names on the back of our shirts and people think, what's going on here? It'll create a buzz and we'll talk about it. And that sense of involving the players, as you say, mm-hmm. empowering the players, actually working out what they're feeling is the thing. I mean, I have to say... The way that social media is run in football, and particularly with a lot of European football clubs, it's like the Wild West, really. Because I think it's such a new area for clubs that they've handed a lot of these accounts over to social media literate, younger social media executives. Well, I think think younger people in many, many, many cases, yeah. They've just said, get on with it. But there's no sense of how you should project as a football club, that you're an official channel, that you can't take the piss in the way like fans do. I mean, we we had it over here, didn't we, with um, Leeds having a 
pop at Karen Carney and uh, inviting a pylon of her. And really, if the FA had done what they should have done then and come down like Leeds on a ton of brick, like a ton of bricks, it would have changed things. Because clubs cannot behave like this. It's still an official channel and you can't go around disrespecting the opposition. Disrespecting your own players, obviously. That's a definite no. But the thing is, people who've got even the smallest bit of media training know that this is not all right. Mm -hmm. And uh, look, it's it's great that social media is there so fans um, can get closer to players and clubs and connect in a different way. Now you have... um, Lots of them are opening WhatsApp channels, so WhatsApp can get in, um, get in, get in touch with you with the latest news from your club, and, and that's all nice. But look, it's got to be at least a base level of responsibility here. This is something that clubs have never been taken to task for by the authorities, and it's a huge problem. I and think. clearly, from what Victor Osimhen's agent is saying, mm-hmm. it sounds like this might even end up in 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 illegal issue at some point or other yeah absolutely and i noticed there's a bit of sentiment from from the napoli side um in terms of some of their fans that this is all a measure to either get him a new contract getting the money that he deserves or get him out of the club and this is just a a convenience I think that's how they're viewing it in in, in some ways. I'm not sure about but th- th- that. But this is the thing, isn't I'm it? Not it sure always about that. it always De Laurentiis and Napoli are very good at that. Let's all pin it on the agent. Yeah. The, the, the agent yeah. is just doing what any decent agent should yeah. do and and sticking up for his client here. But yeah. he because start, it's just it's just unacceptable. It's just ridiculous. I can't believe. I, I I'm just bemused. I, I'm mm. just more than anything. I'm bemused that you would even think of posting that. The penalty one was just strange. I mean, yeah. that's, really that's, strange. that's the thing. If we talked about like some level of governance for like social media behaviour from official club channels. I mean, maybe this could even be the tipping point. If it gets to a point where just a, a bit of a bit of carelessness has damaged the relationship between a club and its star player, you know, one of the best centre forwards in the world, that's a massive problem. That's that's an absolutely massive problem, and it's it's not something that you can take back. And what Napoli have done very badly, I think, and we talked about their inaction with transfers and you know relationships with players before why haven't they just come out and say look we've even if they'd have just said we've disciplined the person who's made that post it's not acceptable they haven't done anything and that's the bit that if I was Aussie men that was is the bit that I would find particularly mm. hurtful now he scored against Udinese last night he did start that game and he was obviously still really pissed off because there was footage of him turning <laughs> up to the team hotel Blanking some of his teammates. I think Zelinski where like where Puri's hand like to dap him up, and then Osman just walked through and went just somebody else. I'm not too sure where the yeah. person was he went to, but he just ignored some of his teammates. So I don't know. That doesn't sound good. I don't know what that was it about. It, it it doesn't. I, I, it's it's interesting how all his teammates made a beeline for him after he scored his goal in the four-one win against Udinese last night and made a fuss of him. You are important to us, but and he ran off to the touchline and. um Gave a big hug to one of the unused subs, Jesper Lindstrom, who's just arrived there from Eintracht Frankfurt. So maybe that's someone who's like has, has really got it. But you know, in a moment like that, obviously the whole eyes of the world are, are, are on you because it's a moment like that is replete with meaning. But the fact is, it shouldn't be for us to read between the lines. It should be for Napoli, as the club, as a huge name in European football, as the champions 
of Italy to come out and say, look, this shit is unacceptable. And Italy should know better because going back a should. few years, we remember uh, the kind of stick that Mario Balotelli got when he was uh, at AC Milan. and Which massively affected his career. But it should have every also stage. affected uh, Serie A, shouldn't it? It should have affected uh, the whole footballing um, perspective in Italy as it well. Sh- it should have. And, you know, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before, but the, the angle is never really the read that is never given on Mario Balotelli's career is ever since he's a teenager at Inter, he has to put up with this. Mm. And people are like, well, okay, you have to be a leader now. You have to stand up and you have to um, fight back against it. Why does he have to fight back against it? He's a teenager. And, you know, there was never really any sense of people supporting him. And we had it with Moise Ken getting um, racially abused at Cagliari and, you know, Leonardo Bonucci standing up at the end. His teammate, his senior teammate, someone who's got 100 caps for Italy, standing up at the end and going, oh, well, you just need to get over it. Just, it, that's the problem. Accept it. I mean, what? Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Accept it. And that's disgusting. It's, it's, it's like how it was in the 80s in English football. Like if you're a black player and you complained about that sort of stuff, oh, it's just a joke. You've got a chip on your shoulder. Like yeah. yeah, it was but like it's, that, I remember. It, it's still like yeah. that now in Italy. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. In La Liga, David, we had a result which I, I think was quite a surprising result, but maybe it wasn't. There's more to uh, Atletico Madrid 3, uh, Real Madrid 1, than meets the eye, is there? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think it showed the difference between the two teams right now. I think we've got a very calm, collected, serene Atleti, despite 
what was overall, and I've discussed this, a, a poor transfer window. And I mean, that's a really disappointing sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought Simeone was left wanting when that window shut. Alas, he gets on with it, as he always does. And things are looking very impressive there. I think he's evolved in their 4 4 um, which he hasn't done too much, I don't think, he, over the years. He's evolved in that. He's uh, He's gone with the, the trend of using these inverted fullbacks that everyone seems to be using these days. Um, pushing the centre-backs up as well. Um, making them join the midfield and get more involved with play, which has been interesting. And, and then I think he's got, obviously it always helps when he's got one of the best players in the world in Antoine Griezmann as well. So but it's funny, isn't it? Because Griezmann has been criticised in France for having a below-par start to the season. Now, I've, I think there are degrees of below-par. Even below-par Griezmann mm. is still really good. Well, he almost but, won the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that, that, was, that was best Griezmann. Okay. But I, I guess you could say, talking of the World Cup and his performance in it, that that almost set an unreasonable standard. And if he falls a little bit below that, people are like... Well, come on. Because he is relentlessly consistent and he does give a relentless amount of physical effort. But coming into this game, people in France were saying, come on, man, let's start your season. And this is him going, all right, then, you want to start to the season? There were some he, pe- he was outstanding. There were some people at around the Letty saying it as well. And it was mm. interesting. He liked a few posts um, on X. Um, basically saying, oh, like just what you've just said there, like, oh, come on, start your season. And he liked it. And I just remember seeing a few Atleti fans quote retweeting it. They're like, oh, he's definitely scoring. He's definitely, <laughs> and he he put he put in a ten out of ten. So that so there you there you go. Um, they they poked the bear. Um, so yes, all good Atleti. Now with Real Madrid, um, Bellingham's start of the season has obviously taken the headlines. He's been outstanding, of course. Not in this match, though. They played not him in this, of, yeah, not in this match. Off the park, I feel. But this is the issue, and this is the concern that I think a lot of Real Madrid fans had. Signing Bellingham maybe papered over a few cracks there within the team in terms of a lack of a proper striker. I think they've had some injuries as well, some depth issues, um, an aging midfield. I think with Modric and Cruz, obviously, and then with that, in turn, an apparent desire from the part of Florentino Perez to really start phasing those two players out and bringing through the the young core and allowing them to play a bit more. Fede Valverde, Real Chiumeni and Camavinga, of course, with Bellingham, who's the, the leader of this pack. Now, the problem is Ancelotti isn't quite seeing it that way yet. And he keeps reverting to Cruz, to Modric in certain games. And the feeling is that he's, Choosing to play those players in the wrong type of games, and we not, definitely did that here. Didn't eg- exactly, exactly, and it's been a few times now. And as well as that, you've still got this Ancelotti Brazil link hanging over everyone of whether he's going to stay or whether he's going to go. And and the apparent acceleration of that this week with the stories that they've picked. Yeah. Xabi Alonso so, next yeah, I was going to say there's a certain next player doing really well in Germany, which also adds to the to the intrigue as well. I mean, it it looks very very likely Ancelotti goes to Brazil, Xabi Alonso comes into Real Madrid. I mean, that would be genuinely interesting. Of all the coaches they could pick, that that would that would be genuinely. But what would he do to that problem? Because I think David has identified what the problem with Bellingham was in this game, and 
let's be fair to Cruz. He scored Real Madrid's only goal. Yep, he did. But uh, Jude Bellingham isn't a centre-forward. And if you don't have a recognised centre-forward, he's pushed into trying to, you know, get into the penalty box and he couldn't get anywhere near it. Yeah, and I, I think there are a, a couple of issues there. Firstly, the fact that this was a kind of retro Atletico Madrid performance, really. The way they got into Real Madrid from the start, and bear in mind, they come off like quite a bad week. They gave that performance at Valencia where they lost 3-0 for their first La Liga defeat, which Simeone said was the worst of his entire time in charge. Then they concede a 94th minute goal to a goalkeeper in the Champions League at Lazio which to Ivan Providel which stops them winning goal. their opening it was a, it was a good goal <laughs> and exactly the sort of goal that Atletico shouldn't be conceding and not just because it's a goalkeeper because it's from across a they should be able to defend that better and so you know David talked about their their pride being pricked a little bit and I, I think there's some of it in there but this was like a proper Atletico retro performance Defend deep, make the most of the crosses, get into them really Use your early. Head. As Use they your head. Well, you talked about that to me, didn't you? Those <laughs> headed goals that we don't see them scoring so often anymore. And you know, Morata was fantastic in 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 that sense um, in in this game. But I think what they always did so well in their peak, as as well as defending as a unit and making it tough for whoever the opposition, whether it was Real Madrid or Wesker is they're very good at getting under your skin as well. And, of course, that is the bit of Bellingham that's not really been explored so far in La Liga. He's just been enjoying himself, Mm -hmm. whereas he is a really intense competitor. Now, of course, we've seen him doing the Matador, and it's it's fine to get stuck into the opposition when it's going well for you, but there's this bit at the end where there's a 22-man, you can't really call it a brawl, it's more and more of a confrontation in the middle of the pitch, which is provoked by Bellingham losing his rag and absolutely cutting Angel Carrera in half. He's really lucky not to be sent off for it, actually. He gets a book in. And I reckon the rest of La Liga are looking at that and thinking, I reckon we can find a way that, to wind this guy up. That, that's, how, that's, how, that's how it starts. Um, I've, I've seen it over time with a lot of players, um, how, to, how to provoke them, how to, how to rattle them. Um, and Vinicius Jr. had a lot of it as well. I think people identified a little weakness with him I think they identified if they give him a few kicks, they give him a bit of trash talk, they can unsettle him. They can get him off his game and, you know, he can potentially get a red card or a yellow for dissent and what have you like that. So this is something that could happen with Bellingham. And and look, Bellingham is an extremely fiery character. He always has been. I think when he first came through Birmingham as well, he, he showed it then as well. He's not scared to stick his foot in. He's not scared to open his mouth either. So it'll be interesting to see how this one develops over the course of the season. And look, if there's any club that are really good at these dark hearts, then Atleti know how to identify just a little weakness like that to, to gain an advantage. How, how did the uh, Real Madrid supporters, the ultras or otherwise, react to losing 3-1 to their big rivals, their great rivals? Oh, great disappointment. But yeah. there's, like I said, the, the Bellingham signing, Bellingham start of the season, just kind of covered up a few doubts that people have. Well, I'd say a few. A lot of doubts that people have about Ancelotti. So this just kind of en- en- enforced that and uh, perhaps a, what's going on with Brazil and also his reluctance to play certain players. Because this season when uh, Camavinga, Giumeni and Valverde have played together, Real Madrid have won and kept a clean sheet every single time this season. Uh, we, we have to say on, on, on Wednesday night when 
um, that they, they played Las Palmas. I mean, they, they 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 did pretty well actually because they 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 had to be patient against a side that defended very well, mm-hmm. um, and that they got there in the end. Brahim Diaz, who stepped into that Bellingham role because Bellingham and Vinicius were on the bench, scored scored the opening goal, and um, it obviously means a huge deal for Brahim to for him to be back at Real Madrid and to be doing something there. But th- that lack of a natural centre forward I mean I know Hozelu scores eventually yeah. but can he get them through the entire season I don't think you can I think there's instances of look I said but people had you know predetermined um, kind of doubts about Real Madrid this season and there's a few of them just coming to the fore a little bit where I've said about the midfield but especially about the striker to me it just when you it's, it's not Real Madrid to lose a top, top striker in Benzema, world-class striker in Benzema, and then replace him with, with absolutely all respect, uh, a meddling mid-level sort of La Liga striker. It's, it's like the Bayern quandary where they ended up going through all of last season after Lewandowski left with Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting. It just does not make sense. No. A Bayern or a Real Madrid uh, or a Man United type of thing do, doing that, not having that, that, that figure. The difference this season... In terms of the way they play and in terms of dressing room balance, obviously Bayern have got their other issues. And I don't want to make this all about Bayern. But there's a massive difference between you relying on Eric Maxim Chupamoting and having Harry Kane as your top striker with a little bit of Chupamoting in there. There's a massive difference. Okay, guys, it's paella time or perhaps Smurgos ball time. Uh, oh yeah, and also a game. Are you of the replacing week. the food now? Well, no. I'm just saying that we need a game of the week to pair up with the food that we're going to eat. Uh, so one at a time, Andy. Fancy that? Well, if you're free on Saturday night, I think uh, you're going to Monaco versus Marseille because I know we chose Monaco last week. I chose Monaco last week for the um, the, the Cote d'Azur derby with with Nice, which they lost. Arguably, um, this is a derby as well, though with Marseille. Isn't uh, it? To to an extent, South yeah. Coast. Uh, and yeah, Derby-ish, <laughs> okay, Derby-adjacent okay. perhaps. And it's, it's big because not only did um, Monaco get turned over by by Nice in that game, a game in which uh, following Balogun missed two penalties, unbelievably, on his first start for Monaco. Um, but... Follarin. Um, Follarin. Balogun. It's my younger brother's name. I've got to correct him. Yeah, yeah you, you do. <laughs> correct me and correct the world. Um, and Marseille have, have got news. They've got a new coach. Uh, Rino Gattuso, who we thought was going to Leon, but in the end they rejected him to um, put put their faith in in Fabio Grosso, who didn't have a great start as as Leon lost uh, at Brest, who were top of the league now. Brest top of the league, amazing. Um, and uh, after that game, I, I had a sort of slight hint of, oh well, if they'd have appointed Gattuso. They might not have been any better, but at least the players would have got an authentic bollocking at the end of it, which I think is kind of what you want from a new manager, isn't it? That that level of punishment. Um, Marseille are in a, a, a tricky spot because they've had this kind of needless rebuild this season. And now you've got Gattuso coming in, who's a great firefighter as a coach, I think. But the firefighting is not in terms of 
the team. It's in terms of the atmosphere. Now that's something we we've seen he can deal with before at, at Napoli and, and and Milan. But he's he's been in Valencia as well. So if he... <laughs> yeah, although he did, even he said at the end of it, I wish the next man good luck. <laughs> he knows about discontent at clubs. He, if you've he, been he really, any manager does have been in Valencia. He really does. I mean, personality wise, he's he's, he's clearly up to it. Um, but he's got a lot to prove as a coach because the jury's really out on him as a coach. And, um, you know, Marseille have had a difficult week. You had um, Vitinha, uh, the, their record signing, Portuguese striker out with his family this week, getting harangued by fans while he was having dinner, which is ludicrous. It's not a happy camp at the moment. So they need to go in there and put in a performance. They will have more fans, just like Nice last week. They'll have more fans than... Um, Monaco, despite it being Monaco's home game. So watch out for that one. And as it will be about Marseille imposing their culture on the Stade Louis de, I think you need to take some boulebes, some fish stew. It's always boulebes. In, 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 a, in, a, in a Tupperware. I'll be packing that for you. <laughs> Thank you. It's always boulebes. If you mention Marseille, it's going to be boulebes. It does. And what about for you, David? Yes. Uh, Sunday, five o'clock. Uh, I'm going for Atlanta UV. Now, I was going to have a different game when I came in, but that's just stood out to me when I just went through the fixtures there. So I really like the look at this. Um, Atlanta coming to the game. Uh, they've won their last two games as well. They sit a point behind Juve in the table. Juve got a hiding off Sassuolo last weekend, but they mm. bounced back midweek. Um, so they come into a little bit more confidence now. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see. Third against fourth as well. Just a, an early, tasty Champions League players clash. I'm too. glad you mentioned tasty because when I asked you, uh, what is it for you? I meant food-wise. Yeah. God. Okay, my food. Andy, I, why are you laughing? <laughs> and I, I was like going. I was going to go fish as well, but you know that that would be just too much fish. Yeah, but um, yeah. so I tell you what, I've just come back from Portugal, and uh, I quite frankly have not had enough pastel de natas. So uh, that what's is that? Oh, a lovely little custard filled tart. Oh, I know those. Yeah, yeah, yeah you'll know nice. if you saw one. You you'd haven't know had it. enough. I, you can't no, have too many of those. I you know. think I maybe went through about. 20 or 30 in two weeks potentially <laughs> who's counting but uh, yeah yeah so I suggest a few more for this game don't forget the cinnamon thank you for listening to On The Continent make sure that you join us again tomorrow for Ask OTC where we'll be answering all of your questions about the latest news from the world of European football and do make sure to subscribe in your podcast app so that you never miss an episode On the Continent is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi. 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 